What is going on, everyone? So this episode you're about to listen to was really a treat for me and also was very insightful for me as well because Dana Wright, who you're about to listen to, is the managing director of Math Venture Partners. So she's doing continuous VC work and also as well, she's working with entrepreneurs on a day-to-day basis to help them grow that company and also helping them with their operating skill sets as well. And obviously as someone of that caliber, there's a lot of things that they're doing. So whatever they're doing outside their life, it has to be very organized and consistent in order for them to maximize what they're doing in their career. And the three things that Dana mentioned here were extremely fascinating. And I encourage you all to listen it all the way through. We do take a lot of different paths, so make sure to follow with us. But you'll you'll notice at the end, if you follow this journey with us, that you'll be like, wow, there's a lot of nuggets in there to gather. Honestly, this could have been a, a two-hour conversation, <laughs> just to be honest. Like, this is like the abridged version. Maybe, maybe you know, we'll, we'll drop a, a director's cut. We'll come, we'll make, bring it back. But the thing is, like, this was so good in terms of nuggets. And the three things that we talked about was sleeping and how you need to make sure that you're getting deep sleep, REM sleep, and making sure that you're understanding when should you go to bed, how should you wake up. You want to make sure that you feel good and going into the day. Uh, number two, we talked about swimming. We talked about how Dana learned how to swim and why that's so important. Hear the story. Listen to the whole podcast for it. And the third was camera, so photography. And that was really interesting to me. She talks about how to have that creative space as well. So she's been going through this transformation in her life. And again, as someone, as a VC, you would think that they have it all together. But obviously, there's things that they're even continuously working on. So if you have aspirations to become a VC at some point, and you're like, I really want to get in this field. I absolutely would do it. I mean, because, you know, her her whole caliber, again, I said managing director. She's working on fundraising strategy. She's helping leaderships with their growth. She's managing board dynamics. Uh, she's also worked with other equity firms in the past, right? She's also scaled businesses that have gotten acquisitions. So this is someone you should pay attention to if you aspire to become a managing director at any point in your life. This is someone I would definitely point to. So one thing, as a suggestion, something that something we're doing here on the podcast as well is I want to hear from you all, right? You listen to the whole episode and you're like, that was great. That was solid. Whatever your feedback is, uh, we want to hear what your number one takeaway is from the podcast. So when you get at the end or maybe in the middle, you stop and you're like, yo, that was a bar. I got I to gotta, I gotta, I gotta share this. Uh, tag me in a story at Morgan J. Ingram and tell me what your number one takeaway is. So Without any further ado, let's get into the episode. Real quick, I want to show some love to one of our sponsors, Lesson Lee, and my guy, Kyle Lacey over there. It's a powerful yet simple readiness and training software for high growth sales teams. And as we all know, it's a virtual environment, so it's really important to have the remote teams on the same page so they can deliver amazing experiences to the customers and prospects. And I love their motto, by the way, do better work. Check them out. They're helping major brands like HelloFresh, Goodwill, Birchbox, and Thrive Market do success. And a lot of their clients are saying that their software gives them a lot more confidence in the way that they onboard their new reps and their existing reps. That's massive. So if you're in the market for it, check them out. Easy to use, easy to adopt. It's Lessonly.com. So it's L-E-S-S-O-N-L-Y dot com. 
And you can also click the link in the show notes to get there as well. Yeah, but we have Dana right here today. Again, I'm super excited to hear from her and her perspective based on the success she's seen in her career so far. Also as well, that's pretty unique because I'm, I'm going to ask a question around this, is that Dana was a sailor. She did sailing. So I want I want to know more about this sailboats in the summer. I think that's pretty interesting. We're going to dive into that. So Dana, I'll make sure all is that accurate. If there's something else you want to tell to the audience or want to add some more context to what I said, uh, feel free to do so. All sounds good. All sounds good. I spend most of my time doing math, not most of my time on the lake, but. <laughs> hey, no, I mean, that sounds fun. So I, I want to I dive into that, right? Is on the sailing side, oh, what got you into sailing and what has been your favorite sail? Oh, man. So, um, so there's different types of sailing and I was, I never, first of all, I never stepped foot on a boat until I was like 20 years old. Um, the first time I sold, I think I was sailed. I think I was about 35. So I think I, you know, I came to it late in life. I'm not somebody that started it right away, but there is such a, and there's different types of sailing. So there's like cocktail sailing, which is really fun and good with friends and everything else. And then there's, yeah, 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 that's, that's really fun. But then there's like racing and I Mm. like both and both are very different types of sailing. And, um, you don't want to mix those two things because it can be really (laughs) deep. Um, if I I talk about cocktail sailing, like, uh, down in the British Virgin Islands was amazing. That was probably my favorite kind of cocktail sailing. And then my favorite kind of like racing sailing is, um, you know, I've done it. I've only done it twice. I'm, I'm not one of the most experienced racers in the world, but I got to crew on a, a boat at the race to Mackinac Island, which is one of the largest freshwater races in the world from Chicago up to Mackinac Island. And um, it's very intense, 24-7, kind of anywhere from three to five to six days long. So um, really, really intense, uh, situation, but very fun. Yeah. I mean, that's, that sounds awesome. So I guess my question is, have you won a race? Have I won? Not first. Well, yeah, that's not true. I've won. Um, I've come in first in some like very casual races. Uh, we came in. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, it's a it's a crew. I'm crew. I'm not I'm not a captain uh, yet in terms of racing, but uh, I'm I'm definitely a good crew member. So that's the key. You said yet you're gonna be a captain someday. Maybe <laughs> you're gonna maybe. you're gonna come back and be like, hey, Dana's a captain. She's won multiple <laughs> races. <laughs> All right, uh, no, maybe, that's cool. Maybe, maybe <laughs> I, I'm not I'm not quite that serious about it. Uh, st- still all fun for me. Okay, and, and speaking speaking of fun, uh, I I also noticed on your Twitter you said you're the fun aunt. So tell us more about that. What, what makes what makes you the fun aunt for people oh, who are listening? Well, when you don't have kids of your own, you get to like spoil that my my three nephews crazily. Um, I've done that mo- for for years now. The oldest nephew is twenty. 
Um, my middle nephew is uh, 17 and the youngest is 12. And I spend a ton of time with them. They live in Kansas. Um, a few years ago, I bought my folks uh, a house close to them. And then I have a place there as well. And I make sure that I see them at least uh, once a month. It's been more than that in COVID. I'll, we can we can dive into that if you want. But um, mm. And I just spend a lot of time with them. I took, you know, I taught the oldest one how to drive a stick shift. I took him on his first driving. I took him to college visits, took him to Las Vegas when he was 18 to play in a soccer tournament. Yeah. Um, took the middle one to his first concert. Um, you know, just, uh, I like to spend time with them and give them experiences that they wouldn't otherwise have if I wasn't in their lives. And so yeah. I take, since I'm not a parent, I take that role of aunt very, very seriously. And also there's like no rules when they're with me. So that's <laughs> works out to be the fun part. So yeah, no, that that's cool. That's cool. I appreciate you sharing that. So, oh, uh, and just fun fact, yeah, um, fun fact. my, uh, my oldest nephew is actually um, working to become a professional soccer player and Ooh. he's starting to get some traction. Um, he is six, nine. And if, uh, if, if he, if he does it, he'll be the tallest soccer player in North America. There you go. That's awesome. <laughs> that is really cool. All right. Shout out, shout out to Nephew. That's, that's super awesome. So we'll, we'll show him much love. Hopefully he, he makes it happen. That's super cool. Yeah. He's, he's tried for a long time. And when you're six, nine, nobody thinks you should be playing soccer. So. <laughs> I wish I was six, nine. My doctors lied to me. They're like, yeah, Morgan, you're going to be, you're going to be six. Oh, there was like six, seven. I was supposed to be. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to dominate. Never got even close. <laughs> not, not there, not there. No, no, not even close. So, you know, shout, shout out to the doctors; they messed me up on that one. But let, let's get let's get to the, the show, right? So, uh, what we decided for for Dana here is we talked about a lot of things before this episode, and one thing that we we came to a theme of transformation for her, all of her one up formulas here, and how she's done certain things outside of work to be a managing director at one of her uh, firms here. So, I guess. The question here is, as we always start out with every guest, is what are the three things that you do outside of work and your career that have helped you be successful in your career? Yeah, well, Morgan, like I, when we when we talked, we talked about how I didn't do these uh, some of these <laughs> yeah. things in the beginning, and um, you know, created almost a, a level of burnout and and like not not a fun fun place to be. Yeah, um, and I think. You know, it's fitting. I don't know when this will air, but we're talking on March 12th. Um, it's been a year of, of COVID. And I've been talking to a lot of people about what they've done during this last year. Well, what did they accomplish? And I feel like a lot of people stayed pretty, pretty stagnant. Um, you know, took 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 this a lot harder. And I've just never, I've never been that way. And I feel really blessed. You know, there's obviously some privilege that, that I have that I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to share some of the things that I was able to do in this last year because, um, because I know not everybody has that same opportunity to, to do the things I did, but I really started to get focused on, 
my eating and sleeping patterns. Um, so, so really like self-care around that aspect. Um, you know, I'm very achievement oriented. So I always have to be having like the goal. I have to make sure I'm very, uh, focused on what the goal is. And one of the things, even though I sail, I am a terrible, terrible swimmer. I actually had a couple of like bad accidents. So one of the things that I did kind of in the second half of the year, I was careful with COVID protocols, but I actually taught myself how to swim this year, which is another crazy, crazy thing that I, that I worked on two or three days a week, um, just so that I had that achievement kind of, kind of part. And then um, the third thing is that, you know, I've been spending some time in the last year trying to, trying to um, stroke the creative side. Um, so I can get really logical and really analytical in my head and I, I, I've got that muscle, but I didn't have, um, the creative side. So on top of kind of the swimming uh, achievement oriented, the other bucket list thing that I've had on my, on my, uh, list all year was about, um, buying like a really great digital camera and starting to take some photographs. So in a year when so many folks felt kind of stuck and stagnant, I sort of kind of kind of self-care, kind of what it, what are the achievement things outside of work that I wanted to do? And then what is some way to kind of keep that, that creativeness going? So those are the three big things. So... I want to go to the swimming piece first. Uh, first and foremost, though, okay, you got you got a camera, so that's super cool. I so <laughs> I got a camera at the beginning of last year for a different reason because I travel a lot once a week. So oh, I was like, see. oh, let me let me get a camera to take pictures of everything I'm doing. I was like super excited. Then COVID hit, and I was like, now I have this camera. Now I'm just taking pictures of my apartment. Like, hey guys, here's here's where I live. So like, it's like the opposite for me. Uh, so, but I but I'm still obviously use it uh, for certain different things now. Um, because I'm I'm actually in town more, so I've actually taken the opportunity to go to different spots in Atlanta and use the camera. So it still has benefit. But it's funny that you mentioned that. Like, I got it because I I was traveling and I was like, instead of taking pictures on my phone, I might as well use my camera. <laughs> yeah. And you know, for me, like I'm, I'm so, I, I just love to learn new things. And so part of what I was doing with the camera was creating some diversion to what was going on in the world. Mm. Honestly, it's like, okay, I'm going to work through this camera. And I got on a, you know, pretty nice Nikon, um, digital, uh, mirrorless camera. And, and, and it was really about like, how do I work through, you know, some online masterclasses around photography and work on like, how do I get the technical aspects of it? And I still, yeah. uh, I'm like the camera smarter than me. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it has a lot of features that I haven't, I haven't uh, factored yet, but the great thing about digital cameras and, and doing it, like understanding depth of field and understanding all kinds of different settings on it. Mm. And so I was just practicing and some of that's in the backyard or, sitting by the street, taking pictures of cars or whatever, but really like focused on how do I, how do I learn the aspects of this? So when we're mm -hmm. able to like move about the country again, there's actually 
um, there's, I can actually be pretty proficient with it. So <laughs> no, I, I completely get that. And which, which makes sense. And that's why, you know, it's important to learn those things. And if we go to the, the, but I want to talk about deep dive deeper on the accident piece, right? So you said you a couple accidents of swimming, like what happened there? Yeah. So, um, it was silly. I was at a park. Um, I was leaning kind of way over kind of a small mm. pond and I fell in and I just did it. Um, I mean, I did everything that I was taught as a little kid to do. Mm. Um, I flipped over and, um, started, you know, got to the side and my dad came over and pulled me out and everything. Mm. But there's something about um, when you when you fall in and your head goes underwater and and that panic piece. Yeah. Um, that every time my face is in the water, that's when I would panic. So I fought through that fear growing up, like multiple swim uh, lessons that my folks put me in in high school was in swimming, but I've never felt comfortable with my face in the water. Um, and, and so, um, I just get that panic approach. Like, I don't, I don't want to do it. Like I don't, I'm sailing. I'm in the boat. Right. I'm not outside of the boat. (laughs) (laughs) You know, uh, people jumping off and going swimming, like not, not, not really. Even even in that trip that I went to in the British Virgin Islands, I will tell you that trip, like everybody was like, ah, snorkeling and this and that. And and I did it, but I didn't really enjoy it because I couldn't relax. Um, And so anyway, it's just uh, it, so so the the falling in the pond was um, the one thing, and then I think the other thing is I've never really responded well to to people kind of uh, directing me, and I had this uh, a gym coach in high school that that um, during swimming was was pretty directing to, uh, you know, you must do this, you must do that. And, and kind of threw me in the advanced group. You know, I was a, as an athlete at the time, uh, volleyball, basketball, softball, not swimming. And, uh, she basically was like, you're an athlete. you got to get on the advanced crowd and, and pushed me sort of to a point where I was just uncomfortable. And, um, so I just don't respond well to that usually. Um, and, uh, yeah, that, that, those are the things, but I just never could relax in the water. And this year, um, it's been something that I've tried and tried to get over. Um, and I, I've had, I've, I've gone to, you know, um, code, <laughs> week long immersion things for swimming where yep. people are like holding you on the bottom of the pool to try to get your, I think it doesn't make you less fearful um, when somebody does that to you. But, um, but um, all kinds of things that I've tried to do over the years and um the, the, the difference in COVID is that I just made it, I made it a priority and said, okay, um, 
you know, three days a week, I'm going to go and I'm going to start to practice and I'm going to take it at my own pace. And, you know, I was looking up different drills I could do and different things, but actually just got over the fear. I, I don't, I don't know how to, I think part of it was just giving myself the room to do it and, and not expect too much, but also just know that I had the time. Like I wasn't trying to do it in a week, like I was before, you know, yep. it was, it was sort of this over thing. And, and it was just one of the ways for me to achieve a goal that I had, um, you know, unrelated to work uh, during COVID. I, I really like what you're talking about in terms of, I think everyone right now in the past year, there's probably something that you've always wanted to achieve that's just been there for whatever reason. And it could be learning how to swim for you. It could be for some people, maybe they've wanted to create a song. Maybe they wanted to sing for a long time and they've been afraid of it because they had a previous bad experience. It could be a lot of different things. And I think everyone, as you're listening in, like think about what is the thing that I can accomplish right right now and what's that goal and and I want to dive into something that you said is you had an issue of people directing you so does that translate into work and then how have you been able to deal with that and then I guess also as well because of the leadership style that someone had towards you um, how does your leadership style is the first from just like directing people I'm assuming you do something different because that was a turnoff for you yeah yeah so let's unpack that a little bit so I, um, I am just someone that has very high expectations of myself mm-hmm. and those around me. And I've actually been told that multiple times, like to, you should lower your expectations and I'm like, no, maybe you should increase your, your output. I don't know. Um, but, um, so I have really high expectations of myself and I'm really self-motivated and, uh, when, when somebody else is pushing me along, um, there's people that can do that in a way that's appropriate for me. But, um, when somebody's very specifically directing me, um, to do it their way, I have a problem with that. Um, because I, I feel like there's a lot out there today of like, there's one way to do something. Mm -hmm. Um, and people are very focused on that one way to do it. And sometimes that's a good way to learn a new skill, but I actually like the approach of here's like 10 different things that you can do and uh, which one feels right and why. And, and that's more my approach um, when I'm working with an entrepreneur or anything else. I, 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 I say, um, so my partner, my uh, business partner, Troy Hennikoff, is a great teacher He's an engineer, so he likes to break things down and put things in steps. And he has kind of a very specific way he likes to do things. Yep. And I think that that's what makes him a really great teacher. There's a bunch of videos on our website that um, talk about a bunch of different things. But he's very good at breaking things down and telling you how exactly how to do things. And I'm a terrible teacher. <laughs> uh, I am. Because I'm like, well, it depends. What are your goals? What are your starting points? What do you, you know, what do you like to do? And, and I'm always trying to give people a lot of options. I think that, you know, being self-directed is something that you have to give people the space to like lob on and, and kind of go after. And if they try to do it your way, 
that's that's great. They may learn something out of that, but eventually they need to be free thinkers and actually mm-hmm. figure out how to do it their way and how to do it in a way that is appropriate um, for themselves. And that's what I prefer. Yeah. So it's it's more so like obviously there's organized step by step. This is how you do it. Like as if you're building my brother, my youngest brother, he builds computers. Right. It's just like this is how you build a computer. So he's very like engineer tech minded. But sometimes in conversations, obviously for an entrepreneur, it's like, hey, this is how that other entrepreneur did it, but it might not work exactly for you based on your situation, your goals, et cetera. So it's more so acting as a coach in that environment. It sounds like you're doing to, to meet people where they're at. Well, to meet people where they're at and for them to figure out their, where where they actually want to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I know. Um, being an entrepreneur is one of the hardest things in the world. And it's a very kind of, kind of lonely thing. And I, I think that, you know, if somebody else could tell you how to do it exactly right, then, then they could go do it. Um, (laughs) uh, you know, people have to find their own ways. And I, I, that's just always resonated with me is how do I help others find their own way to, to doing something, to achieving what they want to achieve, to performance. Um, and, and, and that's my preferred approach is to just work with people and, and help them kind of uncover what's right for them. Yeah. And so now you've accomplished that goal of swimming and what you're, you're swimming on a consistent basis now. And so I guess the next follow-up to that is, because this probably actually correlates, is the sleeping and eating. We had a conversation about that before the podcast. There's probably obviously different options on how to sleep and do that nature. So tell us about those sleeping habits that you've had in the past. What has been your relationship with sleeping? Uh, tell us tell us about that. Yeah. So um, I was tragically you know, sleep deprived for a good six and a half years. Um, and, and when I say sleep deprived, like working crazy, maybe sleeping four or five hours a night, um, and just really pushing myself, pulling all nighters sometimes, um, those kinds of things. So again, very driven in work, very goal oriented, but was really just not taking care of myself. So I'll put sleeping in the broad category of self-care, Yep. Um, and everybody has to figure out what that self-care component is for themselves. What I realized after that, like when you're in the middle of, of that, you don't even realize how, how bad it is. Um, how, how, um, you know, cause you're, you're driven, you're ad- adrenaline, yep. your, um, your thought processes, everything. You're just you're in that super, moment. super focused and so you can do that, but, but doing that for six and a half years was like, not, not great. Um, and so after that, when I, when I started to realize how important that was, um, it became a, a focus to get better sleep. But then I would say in 2014, I started to really uh, focus on it, but not until COVID did I like have another realization. So, you know, the the life of a venture capitalist is not exactly as glamorous as everybody likes to think it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh, it's not. Uh, <laughs> um, and you, you know, um, I I always try to make sure that my portfolio companies know that I'm always there for them. And uh, unfortunately, portfolio companies go through lots of ups and downs. And not all the companies, uh, you know, they don't take turns. Like <laughs> just one that's always up or one that's always yeah. down, right? Like there, there's there's multiple things going on. At the same time, you're trying to, um, you know, you're trying to. We don't have a local focus. I mean, about fifty percent of our deals were coming from Chicago area, and about fifty percent kind of elsewhere in the country. Um, including now I'm in Austin. That was the other big transformation thing, but we didn't, we didn't even cover that yet. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, but what I would say is I was spending a ton of time on planes, going to board meetings, all of those different things. And part of what happened during COVID again, was just a realization of, Oh, if I actually go to bed at the same time every night and get up at the same time every morning and actually stopped setting an alarm and actually started trying to optimize my sleep, what that could mean both from a physical perspective of just how I felt and my physical performance, but also my mental performance. And you can use any type of um, sleep tracker out there. They're not all like super accurate, but what I'd say is they're consistently yeah. inaccurate. <laughs> it, it gets you closer to where you need to go. <laughs> and so you can start to measure things like how much REM sleep am I getting? How much deep sleep am I getting? If you think about deep sleep, deep sleeps when your body actually repairs itself, REM sleeps when your mind actually repairs itself. Um, so as you start to like, think about ways to um, optimize and, and build more time in mm-hmm. those kind of sleep stages. Again, it can be consistently wrong, but as long as you're able to like measure trends and really try to try to optimize for that, I think that that has given me a whole new appreciation for um, again, just how good you can feel when you're getting optimal sleep. So and optimal sleep for me is different than optimal sleep for other folks. Everything's about yep. personalization. I know, I know. Getting an interruption in the middle of the episode and having an ad pop up in the middle of a great point is the worst. However, I want to show some love to my organization and sponsor, JB Sales. And as many of you know, I started out giving out sales content on a YouTube channel and podcast called the SR Chronicles. And I created the one-up formula to figure out different concepts. However, on a day-to-day basis, I'm still talking about sales. And I am a business professional that happens to give out sales techniques and a sales trainer over at JB Sales. And we train reps for leading companies like Slack, Google, MindBody, Salesforce, and many fast-growing companies like that. And what some of you may not know, hot tip, is that you can access our content for yourself with our new on-demand platform. So people are constantly asking me for my sales tips and constantly asking questions from multiple platforms like on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, 
and everything that I talk about is inside of the on-demand platform. And we're seeing crazy results from people all across the board. And people are DMing, telling me, hey, we're, we're scheduling 20X more meetings, 2X on our cold call conversions and using video prospecting to schedule net new meetings into accounts they never were able to. So if you're interested in this, on these incredible results that we're seeing, feel free to check us out. And if you're in sales, and if you're looking to up your sales game, this is for you. So check us out, JB Sales On Demand over at ondemand.jbarrows.com. That's ondemand, J-B-A-R-R-O-W-S.com. And per usual, I'll put the link in the show notes. All right, let's get back in the episode. But I want to go back to 2014. What was going on in 2014 that made you pay more attention to sleep? I quit my job. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you <had> time. <laughs> so um, I, was, I was part of a company um, that was private equity owned. And I was head of kind of corporate development and strategy for that company. Yep. And um, I went there in 2008. We did a bunch of transactions, uh, integrated a bunch of those companies into our company. And then we sold that company in 2013. And I stayed for a year after that. And um, we sold to a Japanese conglomerate and, um, in that sale, just, you know, again, it was just a, it was a great ride. I love the team. Um, I learned so much about so many different types of things and really was a global and international um, kind of experience. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I left there, um, you know, I, we, we had had a lot of success Um, and I just made the decision that after a year I was going to leave, I had communicated that to my team a bunch. Um, and then I don't think anybody really thought I was going to do it because I left some retention on the table, but I, but I ended up just making that move. And that's when I moved full-time to Chicago and started getting involved with angel investing and getting involved, uh, with math venture partners as an LP and then. And, and all these different things. And I would just say, um, you know, not having that constant, again, travel wreaks havoc, especially global travel, uh, just the, the, the constant pressure. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, like felt better than I had felt in, yeah. in six years was taking time to exercise and, and do a bunch of the, the things that I just hadn't done from a self-care perspective. Um, and so I, you know, for me, uh, when you know better, you do better. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it makes a lot of sense because I face similar, the similar situation. Like for the past three and a half years, I've been on the road every single week and it's cool for like the first year and a half, <laughs> right? Cause you're, you're going, you're like, oh, this is awesome. And then like, it just hits you because you don't, you don't even know what sleep is. Right, because you're doing all these red eye flights. If you're traveling internationally, you you just lose the concept of it, and you're only getting five to six hours. Which I feel like in this culture of hustle, 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 get after, do all these things, uh, we forget about sleep. And I feel like it's not talked about enough. Which is I'm glad you're bringing it up. And I want to dive into this. So you were getting five to six hours 
or even four sometimes or, or not yeah. at all during the night. But you were getting through it because of the adrenaline. It hit you really hard during COVID because you're not traveling as much. You become more aware. And so now three questions here. One is how much sleep are you getting as of today? And and like really talk to us about like the difference it feels. And then two is deep sleep and REM sleep. What are those numbers for you? So people understand a little bit more about that and how they can track that themselves. Yeah. And I think it's less about like, what are the, what are the numbers? It, mm -hmm. It's more about like, how are they trending? Okay. Um, and so for you in particular, how is it trending? So let me, let me walk through a couple of things. Um, what, how much, how much sleep am I getting? Um, I'm trying to go to bed at a consistent time and this is going to sound really early to people, but uh, I'm trying to actually be in bed by nine or nine 30. Okay. And then I don't set an alarm. That gave some people a heart attack. And, and <laughs> I, I don't set an alarm and I am consistently up between 4.30 and 5.30. Okay. Um, and then I try to work out first, first thing when I get up. Um, now, what's really interesting is most people look at that and then they do the math and then they say, okay, how much time? But it's really like how much time you're in bed versus how much time you're actually sleeping are two different things. Um, and so again, the sleep trackers aren't a hundred percent. Um, but I think it's, I think it's very, uh, for me again, it's just, it's about getting, getting right, kind of the right numbers and, and seeing that they go up over time. And I actually don't even, don't even know my, my, my numbers on an absolute basis, but I would just say like tracking, to see how they've how they've happened over COVID has been something that's been good. But I'm also kind of again, this is one of those things. I'm an analytical data junkie. Like I love that stuff. I'm constantly looking at it. I'm constantly looking at different ways to do it. I've graduated from like Fitbit and Apple Watch to like a Whoop band and um, you know, just I'm 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 a geek that way. That doesn't that's not going to work for everybody. Uh, yeah. So again, making making sure that people figure out what works for them, I think, is the biggest is the biggest thing. So if if someone's starting out, they're like, Dana, I only get four to five hours of sleep. And I actually I faced this probably a couple of weeks ago. So we talked about it like I typically will get five to six because I was like, oh, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like I could just get through it. And it like hit me like I was like exhausted. I was waking up later. I was like, what's wrong? She's not getting the right sleep. So I've actually changed it a little bit and I'm starting to feel better. So this is what Dana's saying is absolutely important and make sure you get your sleep. But suggestions like I'm starting now. I'm only sleeping four to five hours right now. Dana, I've been working hard through COVID. How do I start going to bed to the same time as you or waking up early? Again, zip for everyone. But what are your suggestions for some people listening in? Yeah, the biggest thing is consistency on, um, on, on when you're I think the biggest thing is consistency on when you're trying to go to sleep. So people that, you know, sometimes go to bed at 2 a.m. and sometimes go to bed at 10 a.m. and and having those inconsistent sleep patterns, I think are are really difficult. You know, we talked about my family a little bit. My sister-in-law is a respiratory therapist and she works at night. Hmm. And um, I will tell you, like her her sleeping is so all over the board. Like I I don't even know how she does it. And again, this is one of the things that I didn't appreciate uh, for a long time is just how important it was. Yeah. But as I've deep dived into both the research and kind of through my own experience, uh, 
I realized that um, how much more effective I am during the day on the days where I make sure that I'm, I'm more consistent. And Morgan, to your point about um, travel, travel is just, it, it wreaks havoc every which way. You just, you know, you're not yep. eating right. You're not eating consistently. You're not eating at the same times. You're not sleeping at the same times. You're just, I don't know, just, just the uh, air travel in particular, I think is just really hard on the body and not hydrating. And then if you're crossing time zones, you've got a whole nother issue. Um, and so I've really thought about this as I've thought about, you know, coming out of COVID and getting back into more of a routine where travel becomes more important again. And I just, I really think it's one of those things, like I'm in control of my schedule. I can choose a flight that's in the middle of the day versus Mm -hmm. a nighttime flight. And again, um, we just, we tend to not put ourselves first um, in terms of self-care. And I think over the last year, making sure that you're, you're really doing that um, is something that that has become more more important just to kind of across the board. Um, and I think when you first reached out to me, uh, self-care was something that we had uh, that you had picked up on on something that I had um, yep. posted on social media because one of my portfolio companies actually made that part of one of their annual objectives is to give people time for self-care yeah. uh, while also holding them accountable. And so giving them time for self-care is actually part of what's going to help them, I think, perform better yeah. um, overall because, because uh, people just need that space this, this, this year. Yeah. And obviously it's a situation that no one has, has dealt with. So you're just like, what's going on, but also as well, like self-care is in what's talked about, like once you reach a certain level, right. Cause everyone's looking to always strive for the next level, the next thing, the next place that you're trying to go, but it's never talked about like, okay, so once you start traveling, these are things you need to do for your self-care. Once you hit a certain goal, this is what you need to start doing to make sure you don't go crazy. And it's just really important. That was one of the reasons I want to reach out because self-care is such a key component of what everyone's learning here. And I want to move to something that you mentioned is eating. So eating, I like my eating habits have dramatically improved since I've been at home. Like when you travel, you probably eat the worst food of all time, especially when you get to a hotel late and you're like, dang, the only thing I can get is fast food. And now you're going to get something that you really don't want. So Dana, talk to us a little bit about eating. How are you eating before and how did you feel about it? And then how have things changed since you decided to change these eating habits? Oh, Morgan, when we did our pre-call, uh, we talked so much about sleep and we didn't even get into this, but this is, <laughs> this is a whole nother realm. Yep. Um, so uh, how do I don't even know where to start. When I was growing up, um, a lot of people in my family had diabetes and, um, I, I started to have, uh, I had actually what's called low blood sugar or hypoglycemia. Now I would get low blood sugar all the time Mm -hmm. and it would, it would create really terrible headaches. It would create, um, just, uh, the shakes really bad, especially when we talked about me being an athlete when I was younger, 
Mm-hmm. Um, I would, I would come off a court and be completely like shaking and having a low blood sugar reaction. Um, all the doctors told me you gotta eat, you know, six times a day, you gotta limit carbs, you gotta, but you gotta keep your, your, um, eating very consistent, very, uh, you know, six times a day and you, and you've got to eat, uh, these smaller meals all the time. Um, in the last kind of two years, uh, as things have become more prevalent as, as ways to measure again, for me, this works, but, um, there's a couple of new companies out there that are offering blood glucose monitors, um, and analytics so that you can track how your body is reacting to blood sugar levels. And, um, my middle nephew actually has diabetes. He was visiting me and it was really interesting. He was playing with some of my like VR game headsets and stuff. And I being the good aunt, I had uh, <laughs> the fun aunt, the, the fun aunt. <laughs> right. he, was, he was playing with that stuff, but also being the good aunt, I was like watching his blood sugar really closely. Yep. And what I noticed is he would get into these VR environments and his blood sugar would drop. Uh, dramatically. And I'm, so I started getting really curious about that. And I started like researching a bunch of, of information about it. And it was about, um, you know, some of the ho- other hormonal responses that were going on when he was in this uh, virtual reality environment. Yeah. And so I got very curious about um, how all these things would work. And I just decided I was going to get a blood cl- glucose monitor so I went to my doctor and I said, I want a blood glucose monitor. And she was like, you don't need one. I'm not going to, you know, because at that time you need a prescription yeah. for it. And so I, I started to get kind of um, anxious. You know, when somebody tells me I can't do something, it just makes me a little more focused on getting it done. Yep. So um, I went out and um, anyway, I had blogged uh, about this a little bit and um a friend of mine sent me a link to a new company that was providing blood glucose monitors. So I got that and I started to understand. And then I started running all kinds of experiments with my eating patterns. So, uh, and then I got my uh, business partner, Troy, to also do it. And what was really interesting is like, he would, he would say, okay, he ate an apple or did this and he had a run. And this is, this is like what his glucose did. And then I would, I would compare the same things that I did and I would see what happened to me. And what was happening to me is any kind of sugar. I can't eat fruit. Um, What happens to me when I eat a banana is that my glucose spikes really, really high and Mm. then goes really, really low, um, like into the forties. And so this makes sense, right? This is what I had experienced my, my whole life um, is these really highs and these really these really lows, but now I have the data and I could actually like, Oh, um, you know, right before I eat something I take a picture of it, then I, then I would eat it. I would get to be able to see how my body reacted to different carbs, different sugars, different protein, everything else. What I realized is that I need to eat very few carbs and, um, I can only tolerate like certain types of things, just like a little bit of potatoes or a little bit of, um, 
I guess potatoes is really, really the only curb that I eat now. Uh, <laughs> but um, but I, I realized like everybody's like fruits and vegetables. Okay, there are some vegetables that I that I can't even eat because the the carb uh, content is too high, and I get these spikes yeah. in these things. So the first thing is like what I ate was what I focused on, right? Yep. And then I was working with this dietitian, and she was like, "I think you need to try a three day fast." And I was like, "Wait, what? Like, I can't that, fast." And as a compute. Since, since, since I was a little kid, been, people have been telling me I'm going to die if I don't eat six times a day. What are yeah. you talking about fast? Nope. She's like, "Okay, have some food around. Yep. Try the three day fast, and if you feel terrible, like eat something." Or if your blood glucose goes too low, eat something. Like you have the measurement. And I was terrified to do this. Um, I mean, you're brainwashed from the time you're you're little about your eating habits and what's good for you and what's not good for you. Um, I did a three-day fast and I like didn't die. (laughs) You're here. You're here to tell a story. (laughs) And um, so, so I learned a bunch about just... So then I went deep into the research on that. Like what is happening with people that are fasting? What are the different types of intermittent fasting? All these different things. So now I eat once a day um, and I don't eat very many carbs. And uh, that again has been uh, transformational, not just for me, but um, I spend a lot of time with my family this last year. So my, uh, at the time I was eating twice a day with, um, my, my, you know, 75 year old dad and my 73 year old mom were like, wait, what are you doing? (laughs) And, uh, and then as they, they saw, you know, the different kinds of results I was getting, they both decided to do the same thing. And as they started to do it, they both lost like 25 pounds. Wow. Um, and then I had a good friend that I was talking to about the same thing. So she started intermittent fasting and a bunch of the weight came off of her. Um, so it's not just necessarily about weight, but it's about how different food um, affects uh, hormones in terms of insulin and um and uh, cortisol and all these, how all these different things like affect your body. And when you're continuously putting different food into your body, how it, how it responds. And so not to get too technical, I know we like, um, I'm no, going deep into the science, this is great. But, but what the, the, the point is, is that I, I now had personalized data yep. about how things were impacting me directly and the tools to try different things. And so again, from a a transformational perspective, you'd be surprised how much time you get back to when you're not eating six times a day or even (laughs) three times a day. Yeah. Um, uh, But, but yeah, I'm down to one meal a day and, um, you know, I think it's going to be interesting to see as I come out of COVID and kind of some of the social pressure and getting along, you know, getting back out with people, like if I'm able to keep that kind of uh, structure to my day, but I don't think I'll ever go back to, you know, eating 
that often again. I think I'll always yeah. stay in this kind of time restricted feeding window of four hours. That's so how I think about it. This is this is very interesting. So on one of our previous guests, Mark Mitri, he talked about eating habits and he also did talk about intermittent fasting and, and three-day fasting. So this this obviously seems to be really beneficial people. I've never done this before, but we've actually had him talk about it. And I know people will continuously mention it. So as we get to the final stages of the interview, a couple of things I want to touch on based on this fasting piece. So someone, some people like the science was great and you can go as deep as you want on the science because people want to always want to know the science. But if, if I or someone else is listening to this and they're like, okay, I want to start doing a three-day fast or intermittent fast. Like, what are the steps? Is it just as simple as, like, don't eat? Can I drink water during it? Because some fast you can, like, eat certain things and drink certain things. Like, what happens here? Well, Morgan, what are your goals? <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I know that's the question. So, I know so that's the question, what I, right? Here's, here's what I would suggest for people. Like, it depends on what you're doing and, and, and how you're doing it. I wouldn't sure. do it where you're, like, you go from – you know, eating crap sugar all the time or drinking sodas to like a three-day fast. Like um, there, there's a bunch of things that you're going to put your body into shock of if you, if you take that kind of approach. I would, I would start to um, limit carbs and I would start to just start to limit your eating window. Yep. Uh, so rather than thinking about going on a three-day fast or only eating one meal a day, Think about, um, okay, I'm going to eat within an eight-hour window. That's a common 8-16 um, window. Okay, now I'm going to eat within a six-hour window. Now I'm going to eat within a four-hour window. Like you can you can okay. do intermittent fasting by just kind of doing um, time-restricted feeding um, is, is basically the way to do it. And, and what that does to your body, at least what it does for me, Yep. I, I don't think that everybody has the same kind of um, issues that I have in terms of the sure. way that it was impacting my insulin and my blood sugar and these highs, highs and these low lows. Um, but what it did for me was it completely evens that out. Um, I also, again, I have an extreme reaction to anything that's even slightly sweet. That could be in a salad dressing, that could be in um, fruit, that could be, you know, lots of different things. So for me, getting all of, you know, white sugar is terrible for everybody. And I think, uh, I don't think there's too much research that says, no, 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 white sugar is good. Um, so, so I would try to limit that as much as possible. But um but in terms of the other kinds of things, like, I think you just have to really experiment. And for me, again, because I'm such a data junkie, that what happened was when I had the actual data to show what was happening to my blood sugar, yep. then it linked up with my head and I could go, oh yeah, I do feel kind of crappy right now. Or, oh, I, you know, I feel really energetic today. Oh, I didn't eat mm -hmm. any any sugar. And so it just helped the, the data actually helped me become more aware of how I was feeling. And then, and then now I, I mean, I don't even have the blood glucose monitor anymore. I don't need it. I know, yeah. I know what I need to do. And I can recognize those, those feelings in my body now, because I, I wore it for about a year. Oh, that, well, that's awesome. Well, it's, it's, it's a, 
incredible to hear all the transformation that you've taken with the swimming, with the, the eating habits, and now you know exactly what to do with the fasting and other people can follow that. And also with the sleeping, I think everyone now is probably Googling, okay, REM, deep sleep. I got to, they're probably buying, Amazon's probably going crazy, people buying stuff right now. So the, <laughs> the, the, the last piece right here is, uh, I want to ask this question and then we'll get to the, the final question I ask everybody here is, okay, you got the camera. We talked about it briefly, but I'm bringing it back. Just a simple question here is where are you looking forward to the most to take pictures with your camera? And then the side question onto this as well is you're in Austin now. So where have you gone in Austin to take pictures? Yeah. So the answer is actually the same. I haven't, okay. I haven't really taken um, any pictures in Austin yet. Okay. And actually there's so much, really cool street art in Austin. There is. So there's, there's, there's trails and nature and all of that. And that's great. But I actually want to do a full, um, uh, you know, tour of all the street art in Austin and start to, to take a bunch of those pictures. And, um, and I think that'll be really great. Awesome. Well, we're looking forward to seeing that because the street art, the street art in Austin is, is always they just continuously always have great stuff, at least from when I've been there. So we'll look forward to those photos. And last question that I'll ask you here is what is the best piece of advice you've received recently? Yeah. I mean, I, I think this is, uh, again, f for me, yep. um, I, I told you like my whole life I have heard, uh, you know, kind of your expectations are too high. Yeah. Actually, I actually heard somebody recently tell me to, to, you know, continue to increase my expectations. And that advice was very specific to uh, something around our portfolio companies. Yep. Um, but it was, it, it really hit me that maybe I've, I've given people kind of the benefit of the doubt um, and, and not strive to push them as hard as I think that they can, as hard as I think that they can achieve. So I guess that would be the piece of advice. That That's a great piece of advice. So I'm the same way. I have like extremely high expectations for myself. And sometimes that actually will trickle on other people where I've actually had to get to a point where I just have zero expectations for anyone. But I think it's also important when you see certain people, you're like, you could be doing way more and we have to be the nudgers or the enablers to tell them like, no, like you should be doing this based on what I see. So I think that's a great piece of advice there. And I, I think um, another theme that I have seen from people this year is there's people um, like me who've, who've made the, the best out of a bad situation. Like I think I've tried to embrace what this last year has, has brought and just tried to, you know, push myself in different ways than I expected at the beginning of the year, but, but continue to like raise that bar. And then I've seen a lot of people that have just fallen into uh, doldrums mm -hmm. and are, are waiting for this to be over. And I think, so that piece of like that expectation to, to like reach higher, even um, when we're not quite out of, out of this lockdown situation yet, we're just starting to come out of it, but really 
start to reach higher. It gets very hard when there's all this uncertainty, but there are still things that you can control. You can still control your sleep. You can still control yeah. your, you can still control whether you're going to try to achieve some kind of lifelong thing like this, this, the swimming phobia or, or, um, you know, focus on some kind of creative component or something with your family or a family member, uh, old relationship, any of those things. It's like, what do you want to achieve and how do you reach higher? I, I love it. I mean, you said something that my, my old boss and good friend of mine always said, control what you can control. That's it. <laughs> That's all you can do. So Dana, as, as we wrap up here, any shout outs, anything that you're working on that you want people to know? No, I think, uh, you know, I think the only thing shout out I would give is, uh, um, really check out a lot of the new immersive technology that's coming out in VR and AR and uh, that I think it's going to be a whole new uh, world. There's some new hardware components that are going to be coming out that are going to make things uh, a lot more interesting in the future, but uh, it's an area that I'm very excited about. Awesome. Well, Dana, thanks so much for coming on, share your story and giving some actual advice for people that are listening in. And as always, y'all, I say one up and we'll see y'all next time.